0: As you guys are here, the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at this whole idea of breaking down the walls, uh, barriers in our life, really kind of geared towards some of us that tend to be segmenters. Tonight, we're going to look a little bit more towards people who might juggle a bit. The, the main theme is how do we engage with God internally. Luke seventeen twenty one, Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. So, really the thing there is if, if the rule or the reign of God, if it's not in your heart, if that's not happening... In your heart, <laughs> I was trying to keep those off. It makes me sweat. Can y'all see me if those aren't on? Yes, that's fine. Ah, you're right, I might still sweat. That's all that matters. <laughs> so um, Luke 17:21 says the kingdom of God is within you, and kind of the thinking there, Jesus is saying, it, the, the kingdom is a rule or reign of God, and if God's not ruling and reigning in your heart, then the kingdom's not coming into your life at all. And so that's what we want to focus on, and more specifically... The correct posture, all these things we've t- been talking about the past couple of weeks in terms of engaging God where we are, we want to make sure that we're doing that from the correct posture. So this is Luke 10, it'll be up on the screen. Um, many of you all have heard this passage before. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now this, um again, many of you probably heard this and you're probably already remembering all of the takeaways. This is not about being versus doing. This is not about contemplative life versus active life. It's not about service versus prayer. Jesus isn't making any of those distinctions, and it's not about personality type. People who are in this room, everybody is either geared more towards kind of this Martha personality. You're more of a doer, whether that means you take charge and you lead, or you tend to come behind and serve. Some people are wired like Mary. You know, you kind of uh, are more reflective, and you're more willing to sit back. Neither one of those is better or worse. They both, there's ditches, there's a Martha ditch and a Mary ditch. And Jesus isn't saying Mary is better than Martha in terms of a personality type. If we're all created in the image of God, if God's knit each one of us together, that's an indictment on him to say, well, some people you gave a leg up when you made them. It's just not true. And so this is not again about personality or temperament or disposition. The contrast that Jesus is making is it's posture. Mary takes the posture of a disciple and Martha doesn't. And that's the contrast that he's making. This story comes right on the heels of the parable of the good Samaritan. And he had just said to everybody who heard him, go and do likewise. Just like this Samaritan took care of this wounded traveler who he saw, now y'all go and do likewise. And he comes right back behind it and and gives this little story. Before you go and do likewise, make sure you're going and doing likewise from the correct posture, which was not the posture that Martha took. Everything she did was correct. She was the head of the household. Hospitality was a huge value. Jesus, imagine some of you, um, maybe this stereotype, some of you ladies, you get home tonight and 13 people show up at your house, and you're expected to take care of them. That's what Martha had. There's no indication that there was any advance warning. Jesus and 12 disciples show up at her house, and her job as the head of the household is to welcome them, to greet them, and to make them feel at home. And that's what she's doing, and that's why she's so keyed up. She's doing what she is supposed to be doing. Mary actually is not doing culturally what she should have been doing. She's being lazy. She should have jumped in and helped Martha in terms of what the cultural expectations are. But even though Martha did the right things, she did them from the wrong posture, and so that messed everything up. And Mary technically didn't do the right thing, but she did it from the right posture, and so Jesus says this: she's actually the one who's on the mark. If you flip, don't flip over. This will be on the screen. This is John 12. It's another episode with both of these girls. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. So you, that's, that's who she is. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Again, you see kind of their natural dispositions coming out there. Martha's serving. That's, again, kind of her role as the um, head of this household. Mary, again, takes this more devotional posture. And it's fine. Again, it's not a a personality or temperament thing. In this case, in Luke, it has much more to do with their posture. And that's what I want to get at a little bit tonight. So, real quick. A disciple, the two chief characteristics that you see in Mary, one is attentiveness. She's attentive to Jesus. You see it here in Luke, you saw it in John. She's focused on him, what he needs, where he is. In Luke, it says she listens to the word and she's submissive. She's sitting at his feet. And both of those things are characteristics that we want to develop. And if we want to have the posture of a disciple, then we want to learn how to be attentive to him and submissive to him, and that starts internally, much more so than externally. If we can learn to do it in here, then it's a lot easier to do it out here. Um, Martha knew all of the right things. This is another um, interchange between her and Jesus. This is in John 11. Let me see what she says. So Jesus, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, so this is her brother Lazarus is dead, She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Again, that same picture. Martha's greeting. She's going out to meet him. Mary stays home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. I know we will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She believes the right things. Outside of Peter's confession, where he says you're the Christ, this is the only other time, short of the centurion at the end, um, when Jesus is on the cross, that anyone recognizes him the way Martha does. She believes the right things, and there's no reason to think she doesn't love Jesus. Just in this episode in Luke, she's just kind of gotten off kilter. Again, her posture is wrong, even though there's no reason to think she doesn't believe the right things or that somehow Mary loves Jesus more than Martha. There's no indication of that either, so the two characteristics we want, submission and attentiveness, the characteristics of someone who's not a disciple, which again has nothing to do with what you believe, and again it really doesn't even have that much to do with your love for the Lord, it's your posture towards him, and uh, the two characteristics, one is self-focus and the other is anxiety, and you see these in Luke um, 10.40. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. That's a me, me, me. She's left me by myself. Don't you care about me? Tell her to help me. She's focused on her. And that's what happens. If we're not focused on Jesus, eventually we're going to get around to become focused on ourselves. If we're not attentive to him, we're going to become attentive to him. To ourselves, That's just, that's kind of like the law of gravity. That's what's going to happen. Our lives have to revolve around something. If they're not revolving around him, eventually they're going to revolve around us. And the second thing you see with her is anxiety. Those words, you're worried, you're upset, you're troubled, you're distressed. Those words can mean agitated, you're anxious about many things. And that's, again, she's keyed up. She's not serving from this posture of saying, you know what, I'm attentive to Jesus. I see what he needs. It's pretty ironic that she's the hostess, and she's missed the guest. She's so busy doing all these other things, she's missed the guest, which is the heart of hospitality. And Mary, who's not doing a thing, has really captured the heart of hospitality because she's focused on her guest. So Martha has become distracted by all these things. She's worked up, she's anxious. A good indicator for us is your stress level. The areas where you feel stress, most likely that means you're not taking the posture of a disciple when we become anxious and worried a lot of times that means we we're in control i'm not submitting to god i'm not submitting to jesus therefore i've made myself i'm the i'm in charge of this i'm not submitting to him so that means i'm the boss which is great until a situation comes up that i can't handle and that's when stress and anxiety and worry come in and if you're again, if you think in that, I think this is one of the discussion questions, when you get into areas where you feel stressed, most likely it's because you're not submitting to Jesus in that area. And it's become something that you can't control anymore. You're in charge because you're not submitted, and it's beyond your ability to manage. And we all have different thresholds for what we can manage, and we all have different thresholds for stress. But eventually it it'll get to you. And that's, a, again, a good indication that in that part of your life, your, your posture is not correct. You're not submissive to him. So what does it look like? How do we cultivate this posture? So if our posture is your default position. It's um, how you are when you're not paying attention. How you sit right now when you're not paying attention, that's your posture. And there are things that we can do to improve our posture over time. You know, if you play uh, video games a lot and you kind of hunch over, then over time you're going to that's what you're going to do. If you're someone who if you're a you know a, a model, whoever models Misty my wife was a um was a beauty queen. She was not a model. She was in beauty pageants growing up and she learned how to do and she still does it. She has this she gets the right angle right here and this impeccable posture cuz she practiced. not did you walk with a book on your head? No, you didn't walk with a book on your you did something, though, didn't you? Didn't Miss Patty have some type of thing that she made you do? She did. So see, there <laughs> but some things that she doesn't want to talk about. So there were there are things that you can do to improve your posture over time, and that's what we want to do. Don't think habits like um, in a sport. You know, I'm going to learn how to hit a forehand, or I'm going to learn how to shoot a free throw, that repetition, so then when I'm playing, I don't have to think about my stroke. I can concentrate on the game. Don't think habits... That way, habits in a sport are mechanical and they're limited. hitting a forehand doesn't translate to anything else it doesn't translate to racquetball paint. it's tennis specific and that's it and it's mechanical it's just it's a it's a, a physical motion. think habits more like manners theoretically opening the door for women will instill a respect for women it will change your posture towards women in general or saying yes ma'am or no ma'am, theoretically will instill a respect for your elders. Again, theoretically, it changes your posture over time. Of course, we can all think of times where those are just rote and they don't have any effect on our behavior. But when we're talking about habits and behaviors, think much more like that than sports, where it's, again, a mechanical motion with a very limited application. Think more manners, where it's theoretically doing these behaviors will change your attitude towards uh, people. So how do we cultivate attentiveness? Two things I would say. There are others, two I thought of. One is silence. If you can learn to be quiet. Kim, where are you? Why don't you come up and share what you've been doing for the last week? Yeah, that's fine. And the second is meditation, and Kim kind of has a testimony about both of those things.
1: Um, I don't know if any of you have read the book Radical, but I meet with a group of ladies on Thursday um, at lunch, kind of my LTG group, and one of the ladies in that book has, or in that group read the book Radical. And so, has anybody read it? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's book Radical. Well, um, I've never read it, so I'm not exactly sure, but I think he challenges kind of the American church to become more radical in some different ways, mostly like reading through the Bible, the whole Bible, praying for the whole world, kind of being radical and giving and all those kind of things. So anyway, you know, we were talking about how do we become radical? How do we um, get out of our comfort zone and stuff like that? And so we just took some time, put on some worship music and prayed, and I knew instantly what I was supposed to do to be radical. And I knew, (laughs) I was like, I don't know what they'll think about this, if they'll think this is radical or not, but um, I felt like the Lord was telling me that I need to spend 20 minutes a day um, just silent, just still before him, and um, that that was radical for me, and just radical in our culture, and, you know, just in our culture and in my my world, it's just constant go. Like, my mind's always busy. It's always thinking, always going, and I'm a doer. I'm a Martha a lot of the times where it's just hard for me to just let my my mind be at rest and my body be at rest as well so um so I just felt like that's what I was supposed to do so um haven't been perfect at it uh, I've actually I try to split up 10 10 minutes in the morning 10 minutes at night just um but it's it's been a challenge in that um for that time um, like I'm not reading my bible I'm not trying to pray I'm just trying to focus on Jesus and just um you know, thanking him or just being, just being with him. My love language is quality time. And so I was like, I want to give Jesus quality time. I read my Bible and I do this, but I, you know, and I pray or whatever, but I don't spend a lot of time listening to him or just being with him in his presence. And so it's like, I want to give him quality time where I'm just there enjoying him and letting him enjoy me. And, um, and so it, it becomes a challenge because I'm, I'm sitting there trying to, like, I have to actually picture myself, like, fighting off all these thoughts or, you know, laying down all these things that are trying to come in and distract me and, and be those those things that are, I'm um, distracted, and I'm just trying to focus on this one thing, like, the thing that kind of led me to it was the, um, there's a psalm that talks, where David's saying, one thing I desire, this is what I seek to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life, and so I'm like, I want to be about this one thing, Jesus, and Um, I want to love him, and I know if I try to do anything radical without just first being radically in love with Jesus, that it's all just going to be me just doing more stuff and trying to make myself feel better or whatever. It's not going to be really um, for my love for him, and that's where I want it to come from. So anyway, I've been spending time just trying to focus on him, just trying to, um, you know, enjoy him, be you know, think about a verse that, you know, or... Just picture myself with him in some way, or just ask him to just kind of come and lead the time. And um, anyway, so that's that.
0: So I would hold both of those things together silence and meditation. If you've never tried the silence thing, it will be hard. So start with meditation, which is just it's intentionally focusing on something, either uh, a phrase in the Bible, the Lord is my shepherd or Jesus holds all things together, or God is good, or uh, you can focus on an attribute of God, holiness or justice. I actually think that's a little more difficult, but um, some of you might think topically like that, and you can kind of come up with some stuff off of those ideas. God is love, and you can kind of play off of that. That's, again, that's more difficult for me, but you might think topically or thematically, and it might fit your style. So meditation is choosing to intentionally dwell upon that truth for some determined amount of time. I think it's important to set a time, otherwise you're going to quit pretty quick. You'll run out of the two or three things, connections that you can make in your head in 15 seconds, and then you'll say you're done. But if you discipline yourself in terms of saying, you know what, I'm going to give this three minutes, which doesn't sound like a long time until you're sitting there. and then you're, you, know. But if you'll do that, over time, it will teach you to be attentive to him, to Jesus, when, when you can't be silent and you can't be alone. When you're in the middle of all of the things that you're doing, what we want to do is develop these behaviors of being still inside and being able to meditate inside regardless of what's going on outside. And that's, that's long-term. That's this posture of discipleship that takes a while to develop and the way to start is let's control our environment get alone be quiet and begin to meditate on again scripture or an attribute of God when it comes to being quiet this idea of silence it's not saying God I need an answer for this specific question now I'm going to be quiet so you can speak to me that's that that's good that's learning to listen to the Lord that's not what I'm talking about what I'm talking about is much more open-ended it's God, I just, I, I just kind of want to be with you here, which sounds weird, but that's you're trying to cultivate this sensitivity to his presence. Again, Mary was attentive. She knew where he was and what he desired in these settings. You know, Martha missed it. Mary didn't. Again, she had this posture of a disciple. When he was there, boom, she was at his feet. The three times we see her in the Bible, every time we see her, she is kneeling or falling down at Jesus' feet. She knows where he is and she's kind of opening herself to him, being attentive to him. So this silence. I would say start with five minutes or less of silence. That would be my recommendation. You just practice that. Of Alright, no, I'm not going to my recommendation would be not to let your mind wander, but to try to discipline your mind. And saying, Kind of what Kim was saying. I'm going to focus on Jesus in some way. I'm going to think about the cross. I'm going to think about this passage. I'm going to think about this attribute. Don't think about a whole parable. That's too much. Just a little short phrase. You don't want to cheat by reading. That's cheating, I would say. Journaling, none of that. Music on in the background, I would push that as well. Most of you at work, you don't have worship music playing in the background all the time. And so if that's the trigger that you need to kind of get in God's presence, then what are you going to do at the Braves game or you know, wherever you happen to be. So what we want to do is learn to develop these behaviors and these patterns internally so that when we're out, uh, it's much easier to hear his voice and be attentive to him. So silence and meditation. The greatest enemy, obviously, is distraction. And that's what happened to Martha. She was distracted by many things. They weren't bad things. They were just things. And this is kind of where those of you who tend to be jugglers, this is difficult for you. There's nothing better or worse about being bent towards Mary or bent towards Martha personality-wise, but I will say, if you're bent towards Martha, this is difficult. It's hard for you to slow down because, in general, you value doing things and accomplishing things. And when you slow down, it's to go to sleep. That's just, you don't, you're don't. you wasting time if you're quiet and you're still. It doesn't seem productive. And even in your time with the Lord, it won't feel productive. You're not getting anything out of it. This is very indirect. You may kind of do this silence thing for three or four or five days and you can't tell anything different. You're not hearing anything. You're not seeing anything. But again, it's just it's like eating your vegetables. Over time it will make a difference in your spiritual health and in your posture towards the Lord. You'll become much more attentive to Him and it will surprise you how attentive you have become, how much easier it is for you to pick up on where he is. The stuff Brandon was talking about last week, where's, where is God at work in my world, it will become much easier for you to recognize that because of this time that you put in alone. So anyway, I would say distraction is the greatest enemy. Again, the irony of Martha in our story, her desire is to be a good hostess, and she completely missed her guest. Because she was distracted by all of these things. And we don't want that to be the case. And for us, it's our our desire to be a good fill-in-the-blank. Christian, parent, employee, employer, whatever. Sometimes we completely miss Jesus. And our heart, I mean, our desire is right. It's just our posture is wrong. And again, if you're a juggler, you're going to be prone to distractions. It's going to be difficult for you, I think, to calm down, and so there's going to have to be some discipline involved, maybe right before you wake up, or right before you wake up, that would be the best time to do it, right before you wake up, <laughs> do it right after you wake up, right before you go to bed, might be the best time for you, and if you do it right before you go to bed and you fall asleep, that's okay, don't don't beat yourself up over that, That's that might be the only time for you at this point that you actually can slow down and be quiet, and if you, again, if you fall asleep after a couple of minutes, is there a better way? of falling asleep than trying to focus on the Lord. I don't think so. So the second, how do we cultivate submissiveness? To me, this is much more difficult. The attentiveness thing, there's some things that you can start doing tomorrow. Submissiveness, I think, is much more difficult to cultivate. The behaviors that you want to do is you want to become second. Um, The best example to me in Scripture, the best phrase is Jesus saying, not my will but yours. That's the idea. The best picture is in, um, I think it's in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 15, David's son, Absalom, is trying to stage a coup. And so he marches on Jerusalem. David sees him from the roof of the castle, and he says, you know what? We're just going to leave. I'm not going to fight him. I'm going to leave. And people are saying, what what are you talking about? You're going to leave. Do you realize what he's going to do if he takes over? And this is what David says. Take the ark of God back into the city. He's saying this to the priests. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it in his dwelling place again. But if he says, I'm not pleased with you, then I'm ready. Let him do with me whatever seems good to him. David's attitude is, I'm, I'm not pushing my agenda. I'm not holding on to my rights. And if you remember David, he was anointed king when he was 13, 14 years old, something like that. It wasn't until he was closer to 30 that he became king. Saul hunted him like a dog for 10 years in the wilderness. And David wouldn't touch him because he said, it's not my... God will, when God's ready, he'll put me on the throne. That had been David's attitude the whole time. God had said to David, you're the king. And David said, only, I'm not touching Saul. God will remove Saul when he's ready. And when the tables are turned and David is the king, his son does the opposite and says, I'm going to grab this. There was no call on Absalom's life to be the king. He He was grabbing it because he was angry with his dad. And again, rather than holding on to what was rightfully his, David said, no, I'm just. just like he didn't grab on to what God promised him, he didn't hold on once he had it. He was he, he second. I'm not holding on to my rights. I'm not pushing my agenda. I'm not doing what objectively we would all say is the right thing to do. You can do that. That's yours. He lets go and allows God to direct the events. And he doesn't know how they're going to turn out. We know how they turn out. And it's just a few verses later. He had no idea how any of these things would turn out. He didn't know when Saul was going to die and when he was going to become king. He didn't know what was going to happen when Absalom took over. Again, we can see that and say, well, of course, he made the right decision. But he, in the moment, it was truly, God, you you decide. And that's the type we need to begin to practice that. And again, that's not something that you can say, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Unless there's an opportunity in front of you. And I would say just as a matter, again, of discipline, this kind of practice, look for opportunities to go second and do that. I don't know what that's going to look like for you. I don't know when they're going to come up. But when they do, make a choice to go second. Don't hold on to your rights. And the greatest enemy to becoming submissive is fair. If you're a it's fair person, it's going to be very hard For you to cultivate this attitude of submissiveness. Because submissiveness is not fair. That's what Martha. That was her whole thing. Her gripe to Jesus was it's not fair. Look at all the work I'm doing. I'm trying to take care of all 13 of you men. And she's sitting over there. Not fair. Tell her to get up and help me. It's not fair. She's right. That's not fair. And Jesus doesn't care. God doesn't. Fair is not a value in the kingdom of God. If you're someone who values fair, if you tend to keep score, it's going to be difficult for you. That's the greatest enemy to submissiveness, of allowing other people to go first, of letting go of your rights, because it's not fair. It's grace and it's mercy, and those are values in the kingdom, but they're foreign to us. And so it takes it's, it's discipline and practice for us to grow those things in our own hearts. And as we do grow in grace and mercy, it's much easier for us to trust God and say, "Listen, I'm just—I'm going to submit to you, whatever that looks like. This is what I want, but I'm going to—it's—you lo- make the call, you decide, and I'm not going to grab on to this. I'm going to give you the opportunity to work things out. And if it breaks my way, that's great. If it doesn't break my way, that's great too. And again, I—I I wish I could give you more specifics. I can't. You're just going to—it's just an attitude or an awareness as you go through life. You'll know there are opportunities. I would imagine within the next." month every one of you will have an opportunity. Most of them will be minor. It's not going to be huge things. Minor opportunities to say, you know what? I'm not going to press my agenda here. I'm not going to I'm not going to pursue a claim that's mine. I'm not going to do I'm not going to exercise my rights. I'm going to choose to go second and just submit and see what happens. Allow the Lord to work it out. So step back. Confusing part Mary and Martha are people with personalities. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about posture. The posture of Mary, She was the posture of a disciple. At his feet, attentive to him. Attentiveness, attentiveness and submission. That's what Martha did not have. It had nothing to do with her serving, nothing to do with the fact that she was active, none of that. It was that she did not take the posture of a disciple. And we know that because she was focused on herself and she was anxious. For us, look at your stress level. Where do you feel stressed? Most likely that means you're not taking the posture of a disciple because you're trying to control things. You've made yourself the boss. If there are places where you tend, if you tend to be someone where the world kind of revolves around you, that would obviously be another example. How do we cultivate this posture of discipleship? We need to learn to be attentive. Silence and meditation, which is going to feel like total dead air. And it is, in a lot of ways. It's fallow time. I'm not pursuing anything. There's no agenda. I'm just trying to be quiet before the Lord. Again, this, the picture is Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. It says, listening to his word. If, and that's what we want. We just want to sit at his feet. If he's got something to say, He'll tell us. God, is there anything you want to tell me today? Maybe there is, maybe there's not. But I'm not going to him with an agenda. I'm just trying to be quiet before him. And I think as a, a good initial step into that, meditation grab onto a verse, a part of a verse is probably easier, and just intentionally dwell on that. Kind of let your mind run around that verse. The next thing, submissiveness, much more difficult to me to kind of grab onto. You just have to look for opportunities to make yourself second, to not push your agenda. And, when they, and, it, and it will be a risk. It's a step of faith. It's, that's what it means to submit. I'm trusting God more than I'm trusting me. And so I'm going to allow him to work all this stuff out. Sometimes it'll work out my way, sometimes it won't. But it's this value, again, of saying I'm willing to submit to him. That's this idea of sitting at his feet. Good? Let me pray, and then you guys can talk in your small groups. God, I thank you for the way you've made all of us. And I think if we probably raised hands, we're probably 50-50 Mary Martha. In, in here, and neither is better than the other. God, our desire, however we're wired, is to take on this posture of discipleship—kind of the, this idea that the, uh, the stance that we take when we're not paying attention. God, just it would be natural. Our natural state would be one of attentiveness to you and submission to you. And so, God, as we share around our tables, I pray for grace for us to see ourselves and to know ourselves and to share that. I pray for encouraging words um, as we talk. And, God, I pray that you would give us revelation on how to do this. And I do want to pray particularly this whole idea of kind of practicing silence and meditation, which is radical in our culture, which does not value that at all. I pray, God, you would show us how to incorporate that discipline into our life. This week, in Jesus' name, amen.